0: The brilliant horizon is expansive and breathtaking. We take a moment to pause and reflect on the future ahead of us. We see it's filled with infinite possibilities. It does require us to take the first step of faith to move forward. The journey calls to an irresistible drawing of desire deep in your soul, beckoning you ever forward. We're filled with hope and possibility. You must deeply engage in your faith to propel you into inspired action. Come engage with Jennifer Doza and Karen Smith as they lead, encourage, and inspire you through life's pivotal choices. We will focus on leadership, mindset, business, entrepreneurship, faith, abundance, and building your dreams. Jennifer and Karen's personal stories will make you think, laugh, be inspired, deepen your faith, and help you fulfill your own God-given callings. The world needs your gifts and talents. They lie ahead on your brilliant horizon. Welcome to today's episode.
1: All right. I'm so excited to hear this segment. I think it's going to be awesome on training and coaching. I think it's an important difference to talk about with people. And there's so many different training programs and coaching programs out there that I think it's an important piece. And, you know, we might even need to do an episode on how to pick a
0: good coach for you at the time and place that you're at. That's a good point, Karen, because I think that people don't really understand. It's kind of like if you were to go out and pick a therapist, are you just going to take you know, the first one you come through, I was going to say in a phone book, we're dating ourselves a little here. We don't have phone books anymore. So it's kind of like, would you take that first name that comes up on your Google search and just say, that's the person I'm going to go to. And if it doesn't work out, well, then I'm out of luck. Sometimes you might have to try somebody a few different times until you find that great connection that you have.
1: I think that's a really important point, having that connectivity with somebody. And most coaches will sit down and do some kind of complimentary introduction session. to you kind of see if you want to connect with that person? I think it's really about kind of knowing what you're looking for as well. So if you're looking for specific help around a particular issue, growing your business, or maybe it's something more personal, having that knowledge first as you look also will help you sort out.
0: Good stuff. Well, let's start there. What is the difference between training and coaching and how valuable it is to your organization? Essentially, training is about transferring knowledge while coaching is about enhancing knowledge or skills.
1: I think this is a really important difference. So I would say, you know, we're talking to all you leaders out there and ask yourself, depending on your position, are you a leader? Are you a manager? What are you? And that's going to also filter how you all hear this episode today. So just stay open to listening to the differences that we highlight between these and see what valuable little tidbits you can pull out.
0: One of the words that I keep bringing up in my mind as I was putting together this segment, we use the word training or trainer or coach quite often. But I think it's also, are you a manager or are you a coach? Because managing and micromanaging are very different than being a trainer and being a coach. When you're managing something, you're, whether it's a project or people, you're there kind of, I don't know, I think about my kids, they're teenagers now. So do they really need me to serve? survive? No, not like when they were newborns and toddlers. Now it's more like I'm there in case there's a fire Mm -hmm. and I need to manage those people and get them out the door in an office building or depending on you know, what kind of business you have, if you're just managing tasks or managing people, that's very different than coaching them. And so we're going to go in through this and we're going to talk about what are those different levels of training and coaching and managing and (laughs) what are the next steps?
1: Right. I think this is a really important difference that you highlighted because managing tends to fall more in the thinking level of energy and coaching falls more into the heart level of Mm. energy. We are often taught, like I think about my background in corporate, where everything was processed through the words, I think because it was seen as a logical way you're making decisions. Whereas if you use the words I feel, like using your intuition and your heart, because it couldn't always be proven like a set of data sheets, it was viewed as a very different place. But when you are training someone, it's very much in the mental level and the coaching gets to the heart of things. A lot of people don't make that switch. It's the same difference between a leader and a manager. Manager is very much in the little details, whereas that leader is really about how do I develop my people to make them capable of so if I'm not here that the organization continues on you know that from levels in the military you know the way they structure everything where if the lieutenant falls in battle the captain can pick right up and and the sergeant can pick right up the corporal can pick right up all the way down the line they're all capable of picking that up it's an
0: important point that you bring up. Well, let's start with training. What is training? Training is really about transferring knowledge. If we're talking about transferring knowledge, I want you to think about an environment where you have been either the trainer or the trainee. Usually there's an agenda. There's a curriculum that's set by the trainer. It's usually around process, procedures, or tasks that you're doing. This typically happens at a conference or a monthly meeting. Maybe it's tasks that are going to be completed in an office or at a business, maybe even a or a course. So that is something where, again, there's going to be a curriculum. You might even have a little workbook that goes with it because these are all set by the trainer. The trainer is going to set the pace of this is what I'm going to talk about. And then I'm going to go from point A to point B and so on. In that environment, I think these are really good stats. I went to look at when you are in an environment like that and you are the learner, how much do you retain? And I've heard Mm -hmm. this, you may have heard this before, uh, but I just always think this is such a great reminder because the 90% of what you teach someone else or use immediately, that is retained. 70% of what you practice, what you learned, if you put that into practice, you retain 75% of that. It drops down to 50% if you actually engaged in a group discussion. Mm -hmm. So you're at a conference, you sit down at lunch and you guys are talking about what you just learned. You're going to retain 50% of that, that you just learned. 30% is retained. If you see a demonstration, I think that's surprising. Only 30%. Yeah.
1: That's pretty low, isn't it?
0: It is 20% is retained. If there are audio visuals, Mm -hmm. all that time we put into PowerPoints and slides and all these things, only 20% is learned from audio visual. 10% is learned from reading Mm -hmm. 5% of what is learned is in a lecture, Wow! but it's when you start applying it, that that makes a huge difference if you are a trainer or you are a, a leader that's training on a segment, use these numbers that I've just provided to give you an idea of how you might make this training more impactful on that trainee, given that time where they can sit down and practice that skill, whether it's like breakout sessions, where if Karen and I are sitting beside each other during this lecture, we're going to have a little bit of time where we can sit down now and do a role play or even just practice those skills that we have just learned.
1: I really, like that. Cause I think it really is the application piece or oh, I'd have to look it up, but there's a statistic I think that says, if you go to some kind of conference that within, you know, 20 days after you've been to the conference, if you're not implementing, you'll lose you know, like 90% of it. And you think about the money and time that you put into trainings and seminars or coaching, and if you're not applying it or maybe you've been working with a trainer and you're just not making progress. And the reality is, is you're probably not applying it.
0: Mm-hmm. You bring up a great point. If you are in a training session, handwriting that information mm-hmm. versus typing it, there is something in your brain. And I can't remember the, I had this written down at one point, but you actually, your brain has to think about how to write that and you retain then that much more information information. Shoot. I wish I had the percentage because um, it jumps up a high. percentage. It is. You only retain like 20% of what you type and what you write is actually like 43% and of it's what a- you retain.
1: It's pretty high. And I know even like in my training with Proctor Gallagher, they had us write with our opposite hand because the new neural pathways that you create by handwriting in your opposite hand actually helps supplant those ideas deeper in your subconscious, which of course controls all of your actions. And mm-hmm. I think it's a valuable piece, especially in our modern world where the blessing of technology and speed and everything, but really when you're learning a new concept, is it about speed or is it actually about about getting the concept down so that you can actually apply it at a level that outpaces your competitors or just catapults your creativity to the next level.
0: I think that's a great lesson that we learned from 2020. We had to slow down because we had to figure out a new pathway, a new process through that. We've discovered that it's not about doing everything multitasking. Mm -hmm. Right. We were multitasking so many things. And then March 2020 hits, and we're like, I'm isolated at home by myself with my family, with my pets, whatever, whatever your situation was. And things just went to a screeching halt while people and businesses figured out a new way to do things. We still had to work during that isolation time. But what, how was I going to do it? If you had the luxury of, working from home. Some people didn't nurses, doctors, first responders, grocery workers. Those people were still going in. A lot of other business people were working from home.
1: The concept (laughs) of slowing down so that you can speed up.
0: I had worked from home for, for 15 years at that point. Mm -hmm. And I told my husband when isolation hit and we all had to kind of stop and rethink, I said, you're going to see a lot of businesses close like office buildings, close. And there's going to be a lot of for rent available signs going up. Yep because people are now figuring out, oh, we're wasting all this money in office space when we really don't all have to be in the same building. Right.
1: It's funny because I think about my early years when I would ask for working at home privileges and my corporation would freak out thinking nobody could do any work. And now after 2020, any corporation who was still on that bandwagon of this doesn't work, totally had the floor ripped out from them and they had to adapt and adjust.
0: Again, I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but one thing that I noticed for myself, for my productivity, I actually work more when I work from home than I do if I'm going to an office. Number one, you've already got a travel time, right? So that cuts that back. That time that I would have spent traveling, I'm actually already in the office. And I'm working. So you don't have that travel time. It's easy to then think, Oh, I forgot to do this, or I want to expand on this idea. And then you sit down with your laptop and you type away. And then if you're like me, the family goes to bed and I start thinking my brain is still going and it's midnight. And I realize, Oh, I've been sitting here for like three hours typing and I didn't working and I didn't even realize because I was so engrossed in my work. So you're actually working more hours in that type of environment when you work from home. For sure. For sure. All right. So that's a little bit about training. I want you to think if you are a trainer, what, what is it that you can do as a trainer to increase that knowledge retention?
1: Really, I like that because what I hope people take away from this episode too is that training and coaching are both incredibly valuable pieces that are both equally necessary for a productive life, career, relationships, all kinds of things. It's just about using the right tool to fix the right situation. And I think these differences that you're going to highlight between the two are going to be pretty impactful for people. And then it becomes about how are you going to correctly use the training tool and correctly use the coaching tool.
0: Yeah. You need all pieces to this. It's not one is better than the other. One is more important than the other. You need all the pieces to do this. Let's go into coaching. We covered training and what that's about. Let's now go into coaching. Coaching is enhancing that knowledge or those skills. So you're taking a person from one place to another. The focus is actually on the client. And I say client because Karen and I are coaches. Focus is on the client and the client directed towards what's missing or needs to be done. In training, it's the trainer's agenda, their curriculum that guides that segment. Mm -hmm. In coaching, it is the client that guides that and we go through it. So I might ask specific questions. If Karen's my client, I might ask specific questions of Karen, what do you want to talk about today? I want to give you this visual as we just talked about, what are some ways that you can retain that information? I like to think of coaching as we all know Cinderella's story, right? Cinderella, she gets this pumpkin, it becomes her coach and it transports her from her chateau Mm -hmm. into, into the palace where where she, so it transports her from one place to another.
1: It's a great example.
0: A coach is the same thing. And here's what I wanted to tell you about that. When you draw an image or you have a visual in your head, a great way to retain that. What is a coach? You can just draw a little picture in coaching. The client has all the answers and it's Mm self-discovery. So I might ask those questions of, Karen, tell me what that might look like. Tell me. I think it
1: would be, maybe you say you're working with uh, someone on your sales team who is struggling to hit their goal and it's about helping them see what might be part of of why they're not hitting their goal. And is that maybe not only their actions, but how's their mindset around something?
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's a perfect example. So if Karen's my client, And she's having a hard time reaching that goal. Maybe she's got a block there. Maybe there's something that she just feels like she's got a mindset of or a block there that is keeping her from actually attaining those goals. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask questions of Karen to get to the root of what that problem is. Now, Karen already knows the answer. She may not come out and say it right away, but she is the one that knows the answer. So if let's just role play a little bit, Karen. Okay. So Karen, what do you think is stopping you from hitting those numbers?
1: I don't know, Jennifer. I mean, I I feel like I'm making all the calls and nobody wants to buy. And then it just feels like everything I do is, is going to turn out like crap. and, And I just, then I don't feel like making the calls.
0: Okay. So as a coach, I'm going to piece this apart. Cause I think there were several different answers that she gave me there. First of all, she said, if I call somebody, nobody's going to want to buy. So I'm going to say, well, you said nobody. So who are these nobodies? We want to identify who the nobodies are. Who has she actually called? Well, I called two people and they said, no, so nobody's buying. Well, that's two people. <laughs> That's not everybody. And that's where we get lost in those terms. Everybody, everything, nobody. So we break that apart. Okay. I want to be very specific with Karen in who is nobody. So I'm asking her that question. Who could you call? Who have you called? Who are the first five people that you want to call after this? Mm-hmm. So we're breaking that apart. Well, and
1: then I get discouraged for, I, I kind of don't want to do it. And, and just having the mindset of saying, I can't do this or nobody wants to buy.
0: Yes. So nobody wants to buy and having that limiting belief of nobody wants to buy. Well, why would you think that Karen, what makes you think that nobody wants to buy? Cause I keep calling people and they don't want to buy. Why do you think that is? I think that I see other people
1: calling and asking someone to buy the same thing I'm selling, but they're just better at it than me. Why do you think they're better? Well, they've had more training or they just done it longer or, you know, they're just more charismatic and outgoing than I am. Okay. So how could you get that training that they have? Well, I, I probably could ask my manager if there's any sales training I could go to, or maybe I could sit with the successful person for a day and
0: observe and learn from some tips that they're doing. She's guiding this. She's giving me the answers. Well, I, I could talk to my manager. Okay. There's number one, look into some training. There's number two. I could talk to those people. It's breaking this apart. Now I'm going to say, okay, when are you going to do those things, Karen?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe in a couple of weeks. Why a couple of weeks? Well, you know, I, I've got to, I just feel like so much pressure. i got to get everything done and he's busy and I just don't want to bother anybody.
0: Do you see where she's putting in these restrictions on herself? This gentleman that she needs to call that she's afraid of calling. I think it's a fear there that she really has a fear of calling. She didn't say that through my questions that I'm asking. And this is a big part to coaching is it's about asking questions. And then here's the big secret. Listen, listen, listen. You really need to listen to what your employee or your client is saying. It's not about what I want to hear. It's what Karen's telling me. So I am going to use those self-discovery questions. So it's the four W's and an H, who, what, where, when, and how. You need to know those basic information. So who, what, where, when, how make a little sticky note or however you need to remember these things, who, what, where, when, how. when you're coaching your employee or your client, because this is self-discovery and it's guided by the client, you're not going to know all the questions. If you are actively listening, you can come up with those questions because this is a conversation.
1: It's a great point. And I think that listening, i actually helps you hear the uh, the reason behind what they actually say. So if I'm sitting here saying, well, I don't have time or I'll do it next week or I'm busy, it's there's really another layer there. And I think that's where coaching. So brilliantly helps someone versus training, where it's like, just follow this process. And if there's a mistake or it's not working, it's because you're not following the process. Whereas coaching, we're human beings and there's lots of layers there.
0: The big difference here between being a coach and I want to use the word manager, being a manager or even micromanaging, if you are. A manager and you are micromanaging your employees, they are going to come to a point, or maybe they already are this way. And I want you to think about what your style is at work. If you're micromanaging, your employees can't manage to move without your approval. They are afraid to make a, make a, a decision or a judgment call when you're not there because they're constantly coming to you to get that reassurance, to get that approval. And what we want to instill in our employees is give them that confidence that they know the answer. They know the best choice to make without coming to you and saying, mother, may I? Right. And we're giving you guys a very simplified
1: answer, but even for those of you who might be working at the top of the house at the C level, like CEO, CFO, these conversations around coaching still happen. They're just more informal and in a different way. Why isn't this division making money or should we close this division? And these conversations go back and forth there as well. Sometimes you have a CEO who knows very much that he needs to close a huge segment of his business, but he hasn't been able to admit that that's what he needs to do because he knows the impact it will have. And they'll work with a coach to come to those answers to be able to find the best solution going
0: forward. So coaching is valuable at all levels. It is, and coaches have coaches. Yep, they do. Which is really important to know and to understand. Karen and I both have coaches. It's something that... Helps you to work through those ideas and those things that that you need to discover. For example that we were using with Karen, you might have a block around that you don't realize. So to discover what is that block, how do I get past that? And once you start doing that, I realize when a coach is stepping in and asking me those questions. But I can also get stuck on something and. Karen and I might have the same problem. And as soon as she says it, I can coach her through it and be like, well, here's what you need to do. You need to blah, 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 blah. But I can't do that for myself sometimes because I'm not emotionally attached to Karen's whatever she needs to work through,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but I am emotionally attached to mine. So that's why having a personal coach as a coach, it's important. Now, can you self-coach? Absolutely. Yep. you can. It's important to learn how to do that piece as well. Yes. Cause your coach isn't always available. Again, that's more of that micromanaging piece. I don't want to constantly, if I'm Karen's client, I don't want to constantly be calling her saying, Oh gosh, should I do this? I'm not sure. Should I? There's that uncertainty, but by coaching that client or coaching your employee, you're building up that confidence and that knowledge within them. So they know, Oh yeah, I'm making the right decision. So if Karen's coming to me at work and let's say we work at, we work at a hardware store. So you're at, the hardware store, let's say I sold the last thing in this display that's at the front of the store. Do I leave that space empty or, oh gosh, my manager's not here to ask, what should I do there? We want to build that knowledge within them so that they just automatically do it. I'm not, someone's not there telling me you need to fill this space. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think what would be the best thing that could go in this spot? What are we really wanting to sell? What is it that we want to focus on? Oh, spring's coming. Maybe I should do like a gardening area where I want to feature, what plants can be planted right now and start growing. What, what are some things that they're going to need to do that? It's giving them those skills so that they can feel confident at what they're doing. Absolutely. And I think being empowered by a coach and building that confidence, it's
1: just like if you're a parent and you're instilling this in your children. Think about when you taught your children how to ride a bike, you had to teach them the basic skills. So that's training, but then encouraging them to keep trying and to uh, maybe they're riding down and you're like, put the brakes on or pedal, 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 or, you know, running alongside them, like you're actually not even touching the bike, but you're instilling that, Hey, dads or mom's here and helping. And that's a very good difference between coaching and training as well. And, and, you know, we need different coaching and training all throughout
0: our lives at all different stages. So be willing to engage in it. It'll change your life. What do we put on bikes as kids are learning? We put on training wheels. Those training wheels are there to support them, to guide them until they learn how to start riding the bike. You know, I think it's funny when you're watching your children and they're riding their bike and you know, they make those training wheels. So they're kind of off balance a little bit so that your kids can start learning to get that balance. When you see that the training wheels are completely off the ground and they're riding the bike by themselves they've already learned. Mm -hmm. So coaching is it's collaborative and it's empowering, Mm -hmm. just like those training wheels on that bike, right? It's collaborating. It's, it's coming together, but it's also empowering them to get like, feel like, okay, I've got support there. I'm okay. I'm not going to fall that's what your coach is doing. Your coach is there to guide you and make you feel like, okay, I'm not going to fall. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to work through this and then I'm going to discover and poof, it's going to be done. I know. And watching, you know, just
1: think about watching a young kid learn how to ride that bike and the freedom, or even when, you know, a baby moves from crawling to walking and running, or for those of us who have managed employees or coached employees, seeing them develop their God-given talents and skills and rising up and just succeeding and growing. Or if you have kids who play sports, just seeing them grow from playing little T-ball into playing at the college level or whatever they choose to do. It's just really fun and empowering to do that. And for those of you maybe in the direct sales industry who have teams as well, maybe you've not ever been formally trained in leadership or how to manage a team and those pieces, but this is a good piece for you to take away too of like what trainings are you offering your team? And then how are you coaching the leader? And the future leaders on your team so that you don't have to do everything. I kind of uh, think of that wonderful quote that says, give a man a fish and he eats for a day, teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. And that's another big difference between training and coaching is you help
0: someone feed themselves for a lifetime. You do. Coaching is a trusted partnership. There are things that Karen and I are going to discuss, but it's going to be kind of on a surface level. We may not deep dive into those big things, those big issues until a little bit later down the road. But it's also with, you know, saying road, it's also giving them a clear roadmap of how to get from point A to point B right? Cinderella's coach. How is she going to get from her chateau to the palace? Gives her that clear roadmap. Mm -hmm. And it gives them that, not just the empowerment, but that independence that they can work on their own, right? Mm -hmm. Because they've, they realize, oh, I do have the experience. Oh, I do have the training and the knowledge to come into this and know exactly what I'm doing. Right.
1: And sometimes the coach ends up being a real cheerleader role. And this is something I've always found interesting as I grew up and and left home and moved into the corporate arena is we spend so much time encouraging and cheering on our kids, whether you're in organized sports, or maybe you're showing in 4-H and FFA, or the different activities of we are encouraging them. And then all of a sudden you leave high school or college and you move into the adult workforce. And there's like, zero zilch encouragement or um, help to just applaud people and it doesn't need to be like everyone gets a trophy or a snowflake type generation but it's just encouraging people to do their best just because people became adults doesn't mean they need any less encouragement or appreciation to grow to that level and a coach can really uh, provide a really valuable cheerleader role in your life
0: Mm-hmm. I, I do want to bring up an important part here. If you are in a place of thinking, like, okay, uh, I hear you guys. I've been here. I've been listening week after week. I get it. Okay, I need a coach. I want you to be really careful about who you are picking as a coach, that it's not going to be uh, one size fits all. You're going to find somebody that you connect with, even with Karen and myself. We are very similar but we are the yin and yang of each other. So Karen's style is very different than my style. Some coaches, you really kind of need to dig into what is their background? Mm -hmm. Are they meeting you where you're at? Are you needing help with a direct sales business? Are you needing help because you want an entrepreneur? Are you needing help because you have a small business or are you a CEO, CFO, any of C-suite and you are looking for somebody specifically to dive into your business area?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's an important distinction for sure.
0: Also make sure that they have the training, you know, someone off the street that's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a business coach and they have no business knowledge. They have no, they haven't been coaching. As you're looking at that, really figure out what it is you're looking for in a coach. And maybe you don't know yet. And that's where I'm going to put in the plug for Karen and I, (laughs) we are business coaches. If you are looking for that business coach or want to do a discovery session, most Coaches and Karen and I both do, we offer a free discovery session that you can walk through and make sure it's going to be a good fit because not all coaches are going to be that good fit. Mm-hmm. And
1: it's important too, if you are seeking some kind of training or coaching, to have a little bit of idea of what it is you're actually looking for. A lot of people will understand that they're missing a particular skill set. And sometimes that will lead you down the path of, oh, I need a specific training. Maybe you don't know how to use computers very well. So you'd like a little training on that. Or maybe you're in the situation of you are now a leader of a team any kind of team, corporate world, direct sales, entrepreneurship, and you just don't know what to do next, or you know that your team is more capable than what you're delivering there. And you just don't know how to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Coaching can be really valuable for that. Jennifer brings up a great point. Find a coach that has the right level of experience. Some coaches have actual coaching certifications and some coaches just have 50 years of experience (laughs) that ends up being worth several degrees and just keep searching until you find the right one that you have a good alignment with. Don't be afraid to to keep looking for what it is you're actually looking for, but also realize that there is no coach out there who's going to be able to give you the answer because the answers are within you. The coach's job is to help you recognize where that is. And so if you're not quite ready to take a look at those things, you may not be ready for a coach.
0: Here's Something that I learned too. There is a magazine called Chief Learning Officer Magazine. I love that name. Chief Learning Officer. Chief Learning Officer Magazine did a survey. The top desired skill for frontline managers is coaching. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't that? So people are really looking for coaching in their positions that they're working at. And that doesn't necessarily, I'm going to use the you know, the hardware store down the street, if I'm managing and I come in there and I'm just managing my business from time to time, you may need to manage things. But then you think about sometimes there's slower times. I started working at 14 and I work in the food industry as many young kids do. And the thing that always goes into my mind, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. So (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So there's always some downtime that time can be managed. Nowadays, that's the go-to they've got their phone in their back pocket they pull it out and the kid is on their phone and you're like hello or even it doesn't even have to be a kid it can be an adult that you walk hello do you see me here people don't greet you people don't i'm a big one for customer service so that is a hot button for me as if you can tell.
1: You know what I find interesting also about that statistic is that's a, something that employees desire from a manager and yet their managers are not taught coaching. Like I think about all the business degrees that I have and never once in those degrees were we taught about coaching, of course, more of a, my, my degrees are about 20 years old, but even I think about in the modern positions that I've held in the last few years, it, coaching is really not, it's still seen as an extra by most employers. Uh So I would just speak to the the people who are listening out there who are employers. Is this something that you offer to your employees? Sometimes people are hesitant to offer coaching skills and opportunities to people because at first it can seem like an upfront cost and you don't know how to capture that back. And what I always like to tell people is, is, well, you should always train and coach your employees. And a lot of people will say, yeah, well, what if I do that and they leave? And my response to them is, but what if they stay?
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because there's a Gallup poll that says 86% of employees think their bosses are uninspiring. Take that and ingest that for a second. And then McKinsey has a intrinsic motivation. 32% are more committed to their work and 46% are more committed to their jobs once they've done coaching. So So if you are a manager and you're coming in and you're just managing 86% of your employees think that you are uninspiring.
1: And people leave jobs because of managers and bosses, not because of anything else I've left because of managers and I've had employees leave because they didn't get along with me. And yeah, that's part of the human condition. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really impactful that more businesses in this modern day era haven't paid attention to these statistics. I think about when I was working at the highest level that I um, had attained in corporate, Thank sure there was nobody there to coach me at all. I paid for outside separate coaching just simply because I wanted to get better. I could see where my gaps were and I needed help. And yet any kind of coaching was not even on their radar, or they might occasionally select someone to go to a special leadership class, but very, very little checking in to see how things were done. It's almost like there's an assumption that when you reach a certain level that you kind of know everything. And really leadership is about helping people become their best selves. And that allows Of it is done through coaching. Be really interesting to hear from businesses who have taken this approach and said, you know what? When I hire leaders, they need to have maybe more of a psychology degree instead of necessarily a business degree.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to leave this segment on coaching with a quote from Tom Landry, who was a an American football player and coach. He was head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. If you don't know who he is, anyway, he has a quote that says, A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear who has to see what you don't want to see. So you can be who you have always known you could be.
1: Oh, that's such a perfect quote for coaching.
0: (laughs) Isn't that, I, I think it's just such a wonderful quote because that's exactly what a coach is. We may not, I tell my clients, I'm not about fluff. You're not coming to me or paying me (laughs) because I'm going to be your new best friend. That may happen, but you're paying me because I'm going to be honest and truthful with you. I'm not just going to tell you what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like that.
1: Right. And yet it's interesting in our day and age where there's so much of the focus on being politically correct and the cancel culture that people in reality are dying to hear the real truth of how they can get better because our society doesn't give that to people
0: anymore. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see with the next generation You know, the pendulum tends to swing one direction and then the other. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see (laughs) where that next generation comes in because there is a level of accountability and responsibility that comes with having a coach Mm -hmm. and being the client, you know, that responsibility falls on me or it falls on Karen. In the role play that we did earlier with Karen as my client, if I point out these things, and she says, oh yeah, okay. Well, instead of calling them in two weeks, I'm going to call them today. Mm-hmm. And now that accountability, she's already said, I'm going to call them today. And I check in with her at our next coaching session. And she hasn't moved at all on those things that we talked about. I'm going to call her out on that and say, and not in a mean way, but I'm going to say, Karen, you're wasting your time and your money. Mm-hmm. You're wasting my time. Right. Right. Because now we're still at step one because you haven't moved on from that. And this is a classic case that you see across a lot of businesses where uh, people will ask
1: for more coaching and training, but they won't actually do the work that comes out of that and so they don't actually progress but then they'll mark on a survey that they want more coaching and training and the reality is is unless you start applying these things and actually grow your own personal self-awareness and application coaching is sometimes you have little bits of growth consistently over a long time that leads to a huge change or sometimes you can have a major epiphany and have quite a large pivot in a short amount of time but If you aren't willing to do that work, and it's the same whether you work at a corporation or for a single family business, or even if you yourself are the entrepreneur where you have to do a lot of self-coaching to get yourself motivated, if you're not going to take those actions, you really aren't going to progress. And at that point, it's not your employer's responsibility to coach you more. It's your decision to be a part of that. Coaching is two people working together. And exactly like Jennifer described it, where it's collaborative and empowering. But if you don't show up and work with your coach at that level, you aren't going to make the progress you want. And when you do really engage in learning and working with a coach, you can advance yourself very quickly through different things and not just in what's holding you back at work, but at home and in relationships and all kinds of different things.
0: I wish more businesses would realize, and and this is where I love having that C-suite that have coaches of their own mm-hmm. because they believe in coaching. Yep. If you don't believe in coaching and you're saying this is something we offer to our team, you have to believe in it yourself. Yeah. Otherwise you're looking for some sort of matrix or some sort of standard. There's no numbers that are going to come in to say how coaching works. Right. I mean, it, it might, if it's just numbers that you're trying to increase how can I increase my numbers, Karen? And Karen's gonna give me some steps, but that's more training than it is coaching. If she's asking me questions, Jennifer, how do you think you can improve those numbers? That's coaching. Right.
1: And I think you bring up a really valuable point of whether your employer or workplace provides coaching or not, you still have full ability to engage in it yourself. I always paid for a private coach um, or took different classes or courses throughout all of my working career, simply because I wanted to get better at what I was doing or I had self-identified gaps or I had managers who called out gaps that I personally had. And because I wanted to get better, I wanted to grow. It was worth my time and effort to do that. And I know without doing that, I never would have made the executive level of that piece. And so it's really up to you. Don't judge yourself, but if you feel like you need some, go ahead and engage in it and source that out. And of course, Jennifer and I are here to help as well. So if you feel like you want to have an introductory call with us or see what it works,
0: give us a call. Now, the last area that I want to touch on with this, Karen is knowing when to change hats. I like to say I'm wearing a different hat. Um, and excuse the dog. He's rattling around, uh, (laughs) getting comfy in his little, on his couch, knowing when to change those hats. I always say, and I think of it as I'm putting on my coaching hat. You guys can't see me, but Karen can. I literally am, or I'm going through the motions of putting on a hat. Mm-hmm. I'm putting on my coaching hat. I'm putting on my training hat. I'm putting on my mom hat. I'm putting on my wife hat. We have different hats that we wear according to the job that we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's when I do that physical motion, though, it is a, a signal to my brain that I'm changing from one position to another. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's important when you are doing that with your client or your employee and asking permission too. May I train you on this matter? Mm-hmm. If I'm coaching with Karen, I should get my her permission to say, do you mind if I train you on this for just a second? I know we're, this is a coaching session. I think this strategy might help. Right. Okay. Yep. And, so and
1: permission gives buy-in and it also, the person you're coaching has to step up a level of saying, okay, I'm open to this. And if you're going to share that with me I'm willing to receive it and
0: implement it. Absolutely. The other really key important piece here is knowing when to refer. Yes. So coaches are not therapists. We're not doctors. Right. And there comes a point in time when someone may be going through something that's really tough and really rough. And you, as that coach, that employer, that CEO, may need to step in and say, you know, I am not a therapist and it's not a judgment. You know, there's still this stigma behind therapy and mental health that is like, oh gosh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about this, but there are times when, and it could be something from childhood. It it doesn't even have to be about something that's happening today Mm -hmm. um, that could just reoccur. So be careful as a coach to not go down that road of offering therapy. You're not licensed in it you're not a doctor, just know what that boundary is. And when it's okay to refer someone to, you know, this isn't my skill level.
1: Right. And the same, if you are working with a coach, if they have said that to you, be aware that you might need something different. Just like when I my financial coaching for clients. I always tell them up front, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a tax person. I am not a certified financial planner. If you need advice on those things, or if you need a bankruptcy lawyer, you're going to have to find someone else from that. Just allowing the coaching and the training to be in the space that it's meant to be will bring you some really good foundational breakthroughs that will change your life for forever. Every great successful person has had multiple coaches, whether formal or informal, and don't be afraid to engage with one. They will change your
0: life. Mm -hmm. I want to leave you with a call to action here, if you will. I want you to look at yourself and try to discover where are you as a leader? Are you managing? Are you leading? Talked about being a leader earlier that as a leader, even in the military, you can lead. What are the strengths of a great leader? They can lead. You can lead your team into battle. Are you managing them? Are you coaching them at all? What is your style as a leader, as a coach? Are you a mentor? Are you a cheerleader? Where are you in that? And then what are some questions that you can ask your team? If you know you have reviews coming up, if you have a meeting, a particular meeting with an employee, um, or again, you know, maybe I work at the hardware store. How can I start engaging my employees a little bit more so that I'm coaching them and not just managing or leading them? Mm-hmm. Another point as I coach, when I went through my coach training, just after coach school, I came home and the best people you can practice with are your family. For sure, I, my kids were in first and second grade. When I did this, I came home and I used every opportunity possible with my kids to ask those questions mom, I can't find my shoes. As a manager, I'm going to say, your shoes are right there by the door where you left them, where you took them up. That's a manager managing these people, trying to get them out the door. As a coach, I shifted that mindset. And well, where do you think you might find your shoes? Right? So (laughs) it was asking them different questions. I want to stay up late. Well, what time do you think you should go to bed? What time do you have to get up in the morning? Do you think that might make you a little tired? So starting to ask those questions and learning how to ask those questions So your family is a great, a great practice tool. Karen and I are here to help you and help you develop those skills. If you're needing that coaches need coaches, you guys, it's so important Mm -hmm. to be developing your skills as well. Benjamin Franklin has this great quote. He says, tell me, and I forget teach me. And I may remember involve me. And I learn."
1: Yeah. Perfectly said, Mr. Benjamin (laughs) Yes.
0: So I want to leave you with that quote because I think it's a perfect topper to this whole discussion. Do you want to tell, teach, or involve your employees? Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found value in what you heard today. Drop us a note to let us know your favorite takeaway or application from today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review. And as always, if you're ready to grow and advance your own God-given callings, contact Jennifer or Karen for personalized coaching. Don't let your dream go one more day without living it out.